Five. Peace, family. Let me start with the, I got to reset with the bow. We got to reset the energy again. 19 keys is a channel, so one nine keys. We live man to man show. You want to hit the bow this time, man? Come on, man. I'm going to let you hit the bow, and I'm going to light the Palo Santo. Make sure y'all come to the man to man show. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, comment. You know, uh, 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 do whatever you need to to make sure that the word is out there, that the man to man show is the realest show that you ever heard. Peace. Oh, shit. You got another lighter? Oh, it's right there. All right, so let's get back into it. You know, um... Yeah. The dangers of a dream. So I was asking you a question. Yeah. If you have a dream, but your dream is attached to a stipulation, <clears throat> and it's not so simple. It is for a lot of people, yeah. right? But you have to understand the deception of these devils is very clever. They don't just outright ask you a question. Yeah. They wait till they got you, right? They wait till they got you in a spot. In a spot where you have to say yes or no to something that you've been wanting for a very long time. Yeah. Right? You have to say yes or no, not only to the question that they're asking, but you're saying yes and no to your dream. You're saying yes and no to your bills. You're saying yes and no to this future that you've built up that's connected to this opportunity that now has this built-in stipulation. And they're so sick in the machinations of these devils, we can't even imagine how twisted that they are yeah. and the proclivities that they have to put people in these circumstances, to, to woo them and to set them up to a point where your dream is connected to doing something that's so detached to your integrity that you have to sell out all your values yeah. in order to make this dream happen. Yeah. And before you say no to the obvious question that somebody's asking you that is against your morals, they've set up the stage to make sure you think about everything that's going to happen if mm -hmm. you turn this opportunity down. See, that's the thing, though. You got to ask yourself, right, about the long-term damage that it do for the price of fame of you selling your soul and losing your integrity. Mm -hmm. That shit, like, destroys your personal development. Because, like, in the future, you, let's say you put on this dress and you do all that, but now you got to deal with the backlash. What if you got daughters and now they look at you like weak and you don't, they don't respect you? Mm -hmm. The women you date don't respect you now. They, they, when every time they get mad, that's what they use against you. Yeah. The men don't respect you. So I, I, my reputation and everything that I've been through prior to this this um movie getting offered to me, I really had that life. <laughs> I really had that life. I your reputation and everything that shit goes a long way. Do you believe that everybody has a price? Um, that's nah, what most of I, I don't believe that because, like, it's like you said, it's for some people it's easy to be like, fuck the price. No, 
I don't care how much money you offer me. And be, and then, like I, I said, this is only man to man a while ago. Your depth of awareness ain't about your finances. It's about, I mean, the way you measure a man is about your depth of awareness, not mm -hmm. the finances. You know what I'm saying? So Cat Williams <clears throat> came in and he said that Weinstein offered him <laughs> fellatio, fellatio in front of his yeah. staff. Pause. Yeah. Uh, and he said no. But he said that there were other black men that was on the same movie, and he has to wonder if they said yes. Now, this is in alignment with what we hear about these offers in these situations. Yeah. The people who often say that they said no, they often say that, well, the, uh, the, the, the person that offered them usually tells them that, you know, but these other people said yes, yeah. right? And they are now working in this industry of people that they know have said yes to these propositions. Yeah. And they end up having to be a house of secrets. And they have to hold these. And whether some of these are confirmed, and some of these are speculatory, and some of these are things that they've seen, then you look at Hollywood and you realize why social media is far better than Hollywood. Social mm. media is so far better than Hollywood because social media is not based upon the casting couch or the gatekeepers yeah. or the gatekeepers <laughs> is based on talents yeah. especially in early social media of course there's a lot of gatekeeping that happens with the algorithms but social media we got to see true talent not casting couch talent right we didn't get not the political you know uh, who gets to go in favor for favor right. that's not the most talented people celebrities often were the most talented victims not the most talented people in society. Mm. So when social media came about, we see social media people that are more talented, can tell better jokes, can do better acting, can are way more creative, because yeah. they have to go their own route. They're not giving, hey, here's a script with a dress in it, and if you do this, you get on. They're not in some band group that says that we're going to house each other's secrets and, and be a team of who took the proposal in our own. What I, what I have noticed, though, about Hollywood... Mm. Those guys who was against all of that shit, Hollywood been swinging back around trying to get them boys back on the stage now because they know like this who the people respect. You got the Dave Chappelle, you got the Cat Williams, they and they still not selling their soul and they still getting on the stage, standing on the principle. Yeah, because they was true talent. You know, it's like doing a show and having a hit show, you know, high level conversations. <laughs> um, you know, you, you realize a lot of different things. Like, I haven't had, like, a super A-list yeah. celebrity on my show, right? And that's no disrespect for any of the guests that I have on. I have, I have had a lot of great guests, right? Shout out to Joey Badass, you know, uh, and his unique character that's now gone because it's crazy, brother. Crazy. But that's a whole nother topic. But it's been truly based on having something that the people really want. It ain't mm. been based on you handpicked. It ain't been based on your plant. It ain't been based on you getting some industry money. You've been selected. It's been based on you having a mind that knows how to create and is able to tap in to the value that people need and want at the moment. Because the right time, the right idea at the right time equals success. Mm. Right? And so being able to do that, you realize, number one, I do everything based on organic Market viability. 
You know what I'm saying? Do, do the people really want it? Not as it shoved in the people's face so many times that you've learned how to manipulate the psychology of people because you know the more that they see something, their defenses drop and then they actually like it. Yeah. Right? So we always said, no, let's let's put out something with no ads, no marketing, see what they actually like and then build on that versus let's throw as much money as you can at something and so you can sell something that people don't want. Right? right? So... You know, I've been able to utilize that science, you know, throughout this whole time of being able to push these messages, curate these products, position myself in the culture this whole entire time. It ain't been because I've been selected by nobody. Right. right? It's because I'm able to tap into the a lot given talent and see the landscape, observe and utilize that to be able to create value of something that's really wanted. But Hollywood ain't the same. So yeah. now it got us really looking at Hollywood actors and being like, you guys ain't the most talented amongst us. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say that there aren't many talented people who feel prey and victim, but a lot of them were only given that next step to go is because they did become victim. Yeah. Then, like you said, they become the victims. Then let's say they get into the controversy. Hollywood don't even back them up. You see what happened with Will Smith? <laughs> He damn near had the whole world turn against yeah. him. Yeah, <laughs> Monique, Will Smith, all of them. You know, so it's like when when we 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 get to now be in this world and we go, we are in twenty four, and I really want to address it by twenty four. Twenty four is just like it took last year we say two thousand twenty three, but this year is twenty four because the twenty four is such a great reminder and cosmic number because twelve is a cosmic number and twelve times two is twenty four, and so when you when you play in that plane of twenty four, you're reminded of time when we say 24, right? We're, you're reminded of cosmic time, cosmic order in existence, reminded of 24 hours in a day. And one thing that's going to be a constant thing with this year, you know, is time. Um, time expired, time exposed, right? It's the time of or age, the age of, right? We're going to go through so many different ages of this, so many things throughout this year that we're going to see that's going to play throughout quarters throughout this year. Yeah. Um, every 24 hours can be a completely different type of year this year. This 24 is also representation that we don't all have the same time this year, right? Because time, as my father used to tell me, time is a measurement of motion. So your time doesn't start until you know, your, your moves start and your, your, the right times in mm. your life and the good times in your life don't start till you make the good moves in your life. And those good moves don't start till you have the good thoughts, right? And so this year, everybody don't have the same 24. It really depends on how you use your 24 through each and every day, right? Cat Williams decided to say that today was his 24. This is Cat Williams day today, yeah. right? This is Epstein day today. Right. And we're going to really be able to we're going to feel 2024 in a different way that we felt time. Right. It's yeah. going to feel like we're really immersed in these moments. Um, Cairo, uh, which means opportune time. Right. Is going to be a reoccurring thing that's that we're going to feel constantly projecting itself as this year continues to unfold. Uh, we're going to go through so much, and I just want us to be able to pay attention, and the most important thing is to control your time. The only way to control your time is to control your mind, mm. right, which is controlling your thoughts, which controls the generation of what seeds your thoughts, which is the environment that you put your mind in because your mind is a cause and effect machine. 
right? You put your mind around red, you're going to think red, right? So what do you want your mind to think? Think about, you know, designing your environment so that your mind thinks a certain way. So right now I'm immersing my mind in the teachings and the knowledge that I want to think about all day from when I go to sleep, from when I wake up, because I know what time it is. I don't want to think like myself in 2023. Because I don't even think my performance in 2023 was legendary enough. So Mm. now I have to completely immerse myself with the mind of the champion that I want to be like. Mm. So I can be like, all right, in this situation, who I want to think like. Right. So so you creating a whole new vision board. Yeah. (laughs) When when Cat Williams said he said no to to, uh, Epstein. And then later on, he told you that Farrakhan was his sensei. He said, Farrakhan like a father to me. Yeah. Right? Now, Who do you think he was acting like in that situation when he said no yeah. and he stood on that? That's it. That's that Now, Farrakhan I didn't know that um, Cat Williams had ties with the Nation of Islam. And it kind of makes sense why he so strongly believe in his principles and what he's standing yeah. on. You know? Yeah. All but, of those who tap in go get that energy. But um, I, don't, I don't think the people um, since the live had cut off, they probably missed the... Um, the Kid Cudi incident. So oh, we, let's we get, get into back, it then. We want to get back into that. So speaking of addressing, so things, you was you was defending them, and and I was taking the opposite side. But let's go. Bro, you used to wear tall tees, bro. Like okay, <laughs> I really did speak. wear no tall tees. Y'all was wearing that for real. <laughs> no, nah, I couldn't. I, I couldn't wear a tall tee because you know short. a tall tee would look I was like too short. So tall tee, you would look like a yeah. Teddy that's bro. what I'm saying. I damn so sure we hated when you were. You talking about we hated when you Stop it. <laughs> it's a knee slapper. Stop it. I see. But anyway, I couldn't wear tall tees back in the day. I was too short. Ain't no way in the hell I was going to put on a nightgown. No, no, right, sir. So let's get into the But cutting, yeah, Kid Cudi, right? So he um performing on stage now. This ain't his first time wearing a dress. I think I've seen the guy in a wedding dress before. Mm-hmm. But it's 2024. He decided to bring the attire back outside. Get, yeah. Come back out the closet, I guess. And he, he said that... How come a man can't express himself without it being some type of He said, of as a black man. As a black man. Yeah. Like, 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 first of all, that's that's where I was mad at it. He could have said as an entertainer, yeah. as a rock star, as a weirdo. You know what I'm saying? He could have said as a, as a gay man, if that's what he wanted to say. Yeah. As a bi man, whatever he wanted to say. But don't say as a black man. Do not say that, bro. Like, don't try to make it seem like, don't try to take use your blackness as an mm-hmm. armor. Right for your weirdness, you know what I'm saying? That ain't got nothing. No, they ain't got nothing to do with that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's the thing, because we all know that context matters, and you know, in the context of America, when you take a style that was made right, right for a Caucasian lady for right. the most part, or a European lady, and you wear it on stage, and people see a black man, because usually we used to this being you know, what they call the menstrual shows, right? So this was all part of an agenda of a feminization. So when we see you operating inside that agenda, then that's when we call that out because that's what we see. And then we you see you putting on a platforms. menstrual show. Then they be having big platforms. People who don't know nothing about the agenda, right. they would think the shit cool and that it's okay. Kid Cudi did. Right. That's why we got to call it out because <laughs> yeah. you have influence. And so influence... The world is about a, it's a warfare about influence and ideas and attention. So when you have a generation's influence and they see that, and if they see it over and over, it becomes normal. So if nobody challenges it, the mind of the child does not know it's not normal. 
because they have phones like everybody else. They can see, oh, I listen mm. to his song. This what he wear. I want it to be like him. He wears this. I will, in order to be closer to him, I will dress like him and emulate these behaviors. Then they see somebody else say, no, that's weird. Now the child is like, wait a minute. Is it cool? Is it weird? So what we're doing is we're literally fighting for the, yeah. you know what I mean, for the people that would be susceptible to these ideas if there is not the counter effect to have the conversation. So we have to have something that is real culture to counter the anti-culture that is yeah. pushed on us. Somebody because in the comments say, when are we going to stop letting these black widows represent us in the culture? They don't represent <laughs> us. And that's the whole point. You know, um, Kid Cudi ain't never represented yeah. the black man plight or the black man. Right. And right. I don't think he's ever tried to really. So this is why I had an offense when he used the black man card and representing something that is uncharacteristic of black masculinity. Mm. And we just go say that like, bro, if you want to be whatever you want to be. That's fine. Yeah, but contextualize don't it to that. Face. <laughs> but don't connect it to being a black man. Just don't yeah. do it. Because that's not part of black male culture. Yeah. It's not. And it never will be. And anybody who wants to defend it, put that in whatever box you want to live in and defend it from that area. But listen, I get to stand on what I stand on. And it ain't that. And whoever you've been around that you probably hopped on that casting couch and said yes, I don't know how many times. You feel me? That's y'all culture over there. Yeah. That's that casting couch culture. That ain't that ain't got nothing to do with being a black man. Yeah. So let me let me let me let me say this because the term minstrel show refers to the form of entertainment popular in the United States during 19th and 20th centuries. These shows were characterized by performances in which white actors and later black performers used blackface makeup to represent characters of African Americans. Minstrel shows often included music, dance, and skits, and were known for propagating racial stereotypes. They played a significant role in shaping racial perceptions and attitudes in America. Racial perceptions and attitudes in America is very important, now widely viewed as racist and offensive due to derogatory portrayal of African Americans. This is the new menstrual show, the emasculation of the black man. Instead of the black face, it is now the dress. Yeah. Right? And we've gotten to see that. I mean, my, some of my favorite entertainers of all time, of course, we go to the Martins. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we go to the Eddie Murphys, yeah. right? We he, you know, the Tyler Perry's, you know, Kevin, uh, Cat Williams is so funny because, you know, he said that they, <laughs> he said, yeah, he I said, know what he said. He said they terrible at playing a man, but they good at playing a woman. It's kind of true. It ain't kind of true. It is. It cool. is true, huh? You know what I'm saying? That's a menstrual show. That's the yeah. new 2000s menstrual show. You know what I mean? Like, it's a reason why these characters get characterized um, as some of the most successful ones, right? Like, the like even with you know we seen shows like some of the shows uh jonathan majors was in he was in the show with the witches and stuff and then there was another show the man who fell to earth and it was really good shows we don't allow those shows or they don't allow those shows to be constantly green lighted yeah. so these become character types even though these shows be widely successful they get so many viewers how come they not green lighting this in for a second season or a third season or a fourth season but we get Five, ten Medeas. We'll get 30 Martins, right? These shows where black men are wearing dresses, we're going to get that over and over. We're going to get the clumps over and over. Yeah. Yes, these are successful, but there are many of other uh, characters and archetypes of black men that will be just as or even more successful, but they don't get green-lighted over and over again. So we know the reason why. 
Because we don't, they don't want us to project that strong intellectual strength of character. How, how did you feel about Cat Williams when he said people were complaining about the low pay that they got for doing the Friday movie? Uh-huh. And he, um, he basically was letting them know, like, shit, this man, Ice Cube, funded this movie out of his pocket. He independent film only. He's not the um, Epstein's and all of them with the $200 million budget and all that. So mm. you all should have been grateful that he gave you an opportunity. How you feel about that? Um, yeah, I don't think black Hollywood should be where we go complain. Yeah. I don't think, like, I don't want to hear nobody complain about Friday. The reason I say that because you, what you're, what you're, what you're doing is mischaracterizing and I think what Cat Williams said was on point because you mischaracterizing, you know, the face of mm. those who take advantage of black people in Hollywood. And it ain't black people, particularly. Right. Those big hundred million dollar, billion dollar budgets to where they not paying a Taraje or these black actors, they just came out with a top list. I, there was one black man on the list that was Will Smith from Men in Black. Right. Um, and Will Smith, of course, he's a he's an outlier. He's a unicorn. At one point in time, he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood, right. right? And then I think The Rock at one point in time was or is. And when you look at the rest of that film, I think one of them was Matrix was the role he was offered. These are very unique roles and very unique movies. And some of those movies, you had, I think you had one white woman on there, Sandra Bullock, for the movie, um, some space movie that was whack as hell. I don't know why she got paid that much. But it's like, there ain't no Denzel on that list. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it ain't no Samuel Jackson on that. Not the top 10, anyway. He might be in the top 100, right? But Hollywood actors, especially black males and females, have always gotten the low end of the stick. Mm. Always. That doesn't stem from black movies. You know what I'm saying? Because we barely get enough black movies. Now... You know, what Ice Cube decided to do with the royalties of the film that he paid out his own money is completely different. If you want to create a film and you don't know whether it's going to be successful or not, you get the script written, you fund it out your pocket, you take all of the risk and you decide to go get some actors, right, who are not big boss office actors and you pay them for what you think the going wage is to get a movie going based on the budget that you have and it happens to have this crazy wild success. You are not then obligated afterwards to then go find more money to get. You had the option to say, "Nah, I don't want to take take the pay." Well, they was always going to take the pay because they needed it. But Ice Cube didn't have no success as a director. He didn't have no success in making movies and producing movies before that. So there was no faith in it, or there was no belief that they needed to get paid more for a movie from Mm. Ice Cube because Ice Cube didn't have a resume. You know what I'm saying? Not in making movies. Friday was a breakout movie and a cult classic success, right? Because the hood really rocked with it. So, you know, I, I think that you know, a lot of times when we do stuff, we have to be appreciative of it, especially yeah. when we open doors for each other. Because, you know, that was probably the first time I really seen Chris Tucker. It was a lot of the first time I seen Ezel. First time I seen a lot of those. Shit, actors. I feel like that's where Chris Tucker get a lot of his respect as far as the black community goes from oh, the movie Friday. <laughs> I don't think there's no no rush hour if there was no Friday. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know that is what it is. Now let's get on this list. All right. So speaking of this list, right? This is the um Jeffrey Epstein list. So I've been searching all day trying to find a list, and I couldn't find it. I seen a lot of fake. I was lists. checking on Reddit. I seen something. Now listen, this <laughs> you go appreciate this part. You go appreciate this. Yeah, the list I seen. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't so, valid. So listen, I was I was scrolling down the timeline of what's known as social media, and this is a network 
um, that has been bought and is now owned by Mark Zuckerberg. Mm. And on Mark Zuckerberg's internet, as you scroll, usually I got it in my right hand, my left hand, I'm scrolling with my thumb, and I'm passing down all of these posts. And before I was looking on Reddit, because Reddit is a place I like to go to bypass some of the noise of social media, because I wanted to get a hold of the list. And I found links to the list. It's like 900 pages, and you got to go through them. And then I seen one user mention a name. Now, they mentioned the name of somebody who is highly regarded and highly respected in the scientific community. I didn't really think much of it. I thought it was a joke. Maybe it is because I still didn't read this all the way. But I thought I'd bring it up during this show, and I'll let y'all confirm or deny what this actually is. Now, as I was, I'm I'm scrolling, and I had to just laugh to myself. Hello, wait. How would I uh, like like this? Yes, you're going to get to it. So... The title, the title, the title goes as this. Um, <laughs> uh, they say, oh, I don't want to hit the, the, too much. the title says, Stephen Hawkins enjoyed watching naked midgets solve complex <laughs> equations on chalkboard that was too high. Alleges Epstein docks. Man, this is listen. I I can't confirm and or deny, but this is this is this is is out of this world. Listen, they 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 asked the lady, the girls about Michael Jackson, and they said, man, Michael Jackson didn't get no massages. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, leave Mike out of this because they all every once in a while they won't let Michael Jackson die. See now, like I was thought about this right with Michael Jackson right now. We all watch him come in the game as a child, right? Like a real kid. Of course, Hollywood tried to force that on him, force that lifestyle on him, bro. But I feel like Mike, he came in so early that he seen like all the behind the scenes, which is why they didn't like him when he got older. Michael, he was really a rebel behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and he knew the business, and they didn't like that. Remember, he tried to bash Sony and all of that, like. So I, I feel like with him, he came in the game as a kid. It was easy to manipulate him if he was at the um, Epstein house or whatnot. Oh, uh, I'm trying to see. I'm trying to see if this was true or false. But anyway, it's probably false. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But it's, it just show you the wildness that's going on in this world right now. Uh, we starting off this year with some incredible craziness. You know, they say, because uh, I think by tomorrow's time, we're going to get a full breakdown of oh, everything yeah, that goes yeah. on the list. And there's already, you know, uh, most of this is like motions. Most of this is like discovery, you know, um, in the law. Um, there's only like a couple of names that still redacted. Some people are speculating that that's Hillary Clinton. Bill Clinton, of course, name was in there. Prince Andrews, right, who from, you know, that family across the pond. You know, we already know that they've been on that. Uh They've been on that weird vibes, sacrificial vibes. We already know what type of time they on. So there is no surprises in that. Speaking of Chris Tucker, everybody thought his name was going to be on the list. You know what I'm saying? Now, so far out of those 150 names, we don't get a conclusive list of like everybody because people are looking for headlines, showstoppers. It's 900 pages. Should easily be able to throw that in the AI and figure out if there was something, 
you know, bad, good, or ugly, or there's a headliner in there. But I also said this on the other episode. Just because your name on the list do not mean that you did anything criminal. Obviously, don't, I don't think any of them did anything criminal because they not locked up. Just mean you connected to some weird people. Yeah, but... Means you connected to some weird people. You but I saying? think I think shit, people got friends that they don't know everything that these people do. Yeah, but this guy right here is supposed to have been an intelligence agent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Basically like a spy. His job was to be able to get information on people by putting them in precarious situations that they can later use to blackmail them. Mm. Right? So, so that's, that was can, his whole job. That was his whole thing, basically. So at least this is what allegedly it is. You know, mm. when, when they unalived him, because uh, he didn't get to go to court. And his whole case never got to go to court and see the light of the day. Because they already know so many names was going to come out. Mm. You know, whoever he was working for wasn't working for. You dig? So it's basically saying that, like, if you connected to a guy like this, why else would he be rubbing shoulders with you? Right. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to just meet the average person. He's trying to do his job. Right? And if you are in that particular type of situation, then you caught up in that network. You feel me? Whether you're innocent or not innocent. Because a lot of these people probably are victims of their proclivities, right? But caught yeah. up in the network. I just think that, you know, you're not going to see... Anytime, some, by the time something gets to the mainstream news, it's usually scrubbed of any of the most damaging things. Even though Bill Clinton name was in there, you know, Trump had already said that he knew brother 15 <clears throat> plus years. Yeah. And he say, he mean, he... he his quote, you know what I mean, was that he knew that he, he said he liked women probably just as much as I do, but then he went on to say that he even liked some of the younger girls. Mm. You know what I mean? Now, for him to have a quote like this out as boldly is crazy. <laughs> that dude is another type of dude. Um, and and we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see what yeah. goes on with the presidency this year. Because even I've seen something with Charlemagne the God. They said that he is a thorn in the Democrat side. And, you know, that stems from, you know, his his conversations about the Democrats. Yeah. And basically telling the truth on them now, right? Saying that they're not doing enough. They're not presenting any viable candidates, right? Um, and they really not showing up at all this election. Their whole election scheme seems to be set upon the hope that Donald Trump, you know, does not, uh, is not able to run against him. But they're not really putting up any numbers on the board. It go back to the, like you said, the um, age of Aquarius. It's the, it's the fall of old institutions and, and the fall of doing things the old way. People ain't into the voting thing no more. They marketed it all wrong now. Like, people's attention span is short now. We, we just, we ready for some real shit now. Like, for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that just that that's what the twenty four energy is about. It's it's a time of revelation, so everybody has to get prepared and everybody has to put their affairs in order, right? Nobody is. We're going to get a lot of shocks and surprises this year, a lot of them. Um, some stuff that we're not going to like. It's going to be stuff in our personal life that we're not going to like and we're not going to want to have to deal with. But that's the reality mm. of what's going on in this world. You know, we, we speak on a lot of these different subjects that's going on today because we know that it viralizes the algorithm, you know. But what's more important is, you know, you, you being on the side of light versus dark during this time. Yeah. You know, um, four years ago, Minister Farcom was taken off social media. And I feel like the world was disrespectful and abandoned the OG. You know what I'm saying? There was no uprising. There was no true fights. And we're in this, we're not shocked by anything anymore. 
Mm-hmm. We get information and it's gone. It falls into the to one ear and out the other. You know what I mean? It slides right off of us. No matter what it is, no matter how shocking it is, nothing shocks us, which means that we're gonna we're gonna go through a thousand shocks this year. Right? Just to keep people's just to keep people entertained. Not to actually shock you, not to make you change, because the truth is no longer shocking, Nick. Mm. The truth is no longer shocking. So what that means is that means that you have to be hit with such a high dosage and high voltage of truth and energy and information that even wakes your spirit up to react to it. Because people are not really reacting. People are just laughing it off. Yeah. There was a time where one piece of these information in like these long form um, interviews would be news headlines shocking for weeks. Now... You you watch a Cat Williams interview and you know every thirty minutes or 20, 10 minutes he's dropping a shocking headline type of comment. He's going at he's Thanos, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Throughout the whole thing, and yeah. that's still not enough to keep the attention because somebody else can drop an interview tomorrow and it steals the headlines, yeah. right? So you know the the time that we have in order to keep ourselves focused is going to be very limited. So the fight for attention this year is going to be the hardest fight that we've ever been through in eternity, ever. Your children will have absolutely no opportunity to be focused, right? We're going to get some extreme things that's going to go on. And that's just in my heart. That's just something that I feel. Yeah. So I seen that you um, you dropped your 2023 recap, right? Yep. It's a nice video, actually, you know, but I want to talk about the future of 2024. What does the future of 2024 look like for the high-level conversations, for the Crown Society? And we can give them one for the man-to-man. Well, for 2024, we really want to go big this year. Um, You know, we didn't have any booking agent last year. Everything was just based on context. I was just able to reach out to people. You know, I ain't really... Behind the scenes, I'm gonna be honest. I I don't really get an extreme amount of love in this industry whatsoever. People people try to get close. People try to get by. But when I say love, I mean actionable things. It ain't nobody that's reaching out and being like, "Yo, I'm gonna connect you with this person." None of that. Nobody's helped me with no booking. Nobody's helped me with no sponsors. Nobody's helped me with anything throughout this whole entire time. So it just let me know, all right, this is a way that we got to, this is a strategy that we're going to have to impose ourselves. We have to get big enough to where we're a force. Because it's easy for us to get a, anybody that wants to drop some news and information on our show, we can create headlines just like any other show. We can get yeah. millions and millions <clears throat> of views. So our strategy is going to be different in a way that we're going to approach this. You know what I mean? We'll really create a campaign, you know, and... I really don't have uh, too many hoes bar on, you know, who I have on the show besides it has to be integral. My show is not a gossip show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If, if you want to drop truth, yeah, we can speak, but we get to speak factual. We're not speaking from an emotional thing. That's going to be enough of that in the world. It's going to be so much gossip and tabloid and exposure culture and shock culture and all of that. But we have to have a place where we can be real, we can be reasonable, we can be rational, right? And that's where you come to high-level conversations from. You're getting out of the world, right? This is a world-building show. And so as the world goes more sensational, right, with the news headline and more tabloid, we're going to go more integrable, 
right? I want to make sure that everything that we're talking about is facts, right? Yeah. I want to make sure it's well-researched. I want to make sure that everything about high-level conversations is a breath of fresh air, right? And then at the same time, we cannot be limited. What you think that you should expect on there, don't expect. Just allow us to create, yeah. right? What's what's the guest that you want on the show this season? Oh, man, I got a bunch of guests that I want on the show. I got a whole <laughs> you list. You got a list. <laughs> guest. Guest. <laughs> guest. We got a whole list. I would love to have Minister Farrakhan on the show. Yeah. I'll just put that out there. I don't even need to say nobody else. Yeah. I would love to have the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan on the show. That's going to break the internet. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can make that happen, let's make it happen. Um, it's just that there's so many things I would love to ask the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, but I also think that it's the perfect timing right now. You know, I, I, I don't often say it because I don't always think it's the perfect timing for everything. But I know what the 24 is. You know, we always talk about the 24 scientists in the nation. And the 24 scientists are those who predict the events, right, that um, are to come and has come. And I just really see that this is the time of high-level observation and if we can give the people the revelations, those who are ready, the star seeds of this generation, who are ready to receive, and I'm talking from the younger, right? And for those who are at an older age, it's just gonna connect the dots, but I really wanna reach the youth this age, so we're gonna have the younger people as well, but there are trees that we're not gonna ever be able to get back, yeah. you know, once they gone. Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is one of them. One of one. Yeah, he's he's the OG of all OGs. You know what I'm saying? And if, as I've been listening to him recently, like if you just listen to him, you got the blueprint. I promise you, he got the blueprint. Yeah, I was able to um, actually see him speak in person twice in 2023. Something that I never thought in a million years I actually get the witness in the in the flesh and like actually be in the vicinity. But man, I needed that. <laughs> On this journey of life, cause like the message that I got from him, I I, I went to um Sister Ava, um funeral or not, and he spoke. But the message that he gave was, "What are you doing with Allah's time? Mm. Mm. What are you doing with Allah's time?" <laughs> and that just had me reflecting, like, damn, like you said, we got twenty four hours in a day. What are we doing with this time? Are we are we um pushing the light or are we pushing the dark? <laughs> mm. That's a question that you got to ask yourself every single day when you wake up. Because you only got that dash. That, that dash is the only thing that matters. The day that you was born, that dash, and then the last day that you got on this planet. So what you doing with that dash? It's a question. What, is, what does it mean to you? This is something I want you all to answer. What does this year mean to you? And when I, I sit down on the couch sometime and I have to let my body sink in to where I am. Because sometimes my thoughts be all over. It could be on a subject in the news. Yeah. It can be on a problem. It can be on a past subject. It can be on a future tense idea. Right? And then sometimes I just got to clear and just let my body just sink in. Like, feel my wiggle my toes, feel my legs. Just let myself sink in to where I'm at. Or you might watch that one show. I don't understand about Never mind. Anyway. See, you gotta you gotta be able to flood out. <laughs> you gotta be able to flood things the out. Fluff. <laughs> no, for real. But but seriously, you gotta be able to sink into where you are, and to be 
to find stillness and presence in this day and time, I think is going to be the number one thing. Um, because every, like... To find what in this day and time? Stillness, stillness. and presence. Yeah. Like, to be present. 2023, we, we, we take everything with us. We kind of look at it almost like we cross over a line once we go to 2024. Time is, is an illusion act. Right. We know that there are multiple calendars across the planet and multiple cultures that decide that they are in different time zones. Now, because we live in a Western hemisphere of this world, at least some of that's watched this show, you know, you may preside by the Gregorian calendar. And by presiding by the Gregorian calendar, we have a collective agreement that this is the year 2024 and this is the first month. Now, some people call it the 13th because we go to a 13 moon cycle. Mm. Whether it's the first or the 13th, whether you just add that 12 plus one, we are here in this time. Time doesn't have to be perceived by a number, right? Time is perceived by feeling and motion and your coordination and connection to self in this present moment. And when you think about it and you can sink yourself into the now, then you're thinking about where do I want to be next? Because the only thing that really exists is now and next. Right. So everybody has to take time to sink in and go over their journey for 2024. What do you want it to be? Right. You get to do that in hindsight with 2023. You get to think about, you know, everything that coincided, the person that you was, how you dealt with anxiety, how you dealt with stress, how you dealt with loss, how you dealt with love, how you dealt with yourself, how you dealt with the shadows. Right. I've been through so many ups and downs last year. You know, just going through myself, I don't want to be that person again. I want to be so much greater than that person, right? And so last year was a very real way of, like, it's like everything is documented. So it's like me looking at myself on screen almost and being like, all right, do you ever want to take yourself back to any of those moments? And if you don't, remember them and disconnect to the feeling of them. So the way I do it for myself is I think about you know, past activities and past habits. And I rewire my connection of pleasure and reward to them to dissatisfaction, right? Or guilt or shame. Yeah. And this is probably something that a lot of you all um, can appreciate because people are taught to be so shameless. But dissatisfaction, right, is very important to, to have because that produces the change. May I ask you this? What was you dissatisfied with last year as pertaining to your movement? I mean, I wasn't dissatisfied with my movement per se. I think I was dissatisfied with my patience and lack of understanding of the necessities that go into creating a movement because I really felt like it was so much sacrifice. And sacrifice, you know, meaning of like the time and the energy and the resources that I have to use to build this thing up. And one thing I really didn't appreciate it was a lot of the criticism along the journey in a wife. Because people who do nothing often have the most to say about people Facts. who are doing something. Facts. Right? And usually it's the people who do nothing that are always saying you're not doing enough. And so it was like, bro, when <laughs> to to go around the world, to create a show, to put together a tour, to you know, go speak throughout different places to design a movement, to show up aesthetically a certain way, to have the time to research, to be emotionally stable, to deal with yourself, your family, the world, the politics, the everything. There's so much time, energy, 
you know, emotions and, and money, like resources that go into that, that sacrifice got to be appreciated and reciprocated. So it's like last year was so much of a sacrifice, you know, self-funding a tour, self-funding a show, self-funding everything that I do to make sure that the team is tight and everybody, the dream is right. Yeah. You know, like only you really feel all of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's, that's what I was talking about, the Ice Cube situation. He independent. He doing it on his own. If you don't respect that. You just in the way anyway. <laughs> right, like and, and it's like you you a lot of people find themselves trying to compete with somebody that's that's independent. You don't want to do that. Because the the problem with the, it turns into hate because they realize that they can't. And so they have to figure out they try to figure out a reason why you're able to do it and they can't. Right. Well, you ain't even been on the journey yet. You want to do something that I'm doing, but you don't even have the resources to sacrifice to do it. Right, and if you have the resources, you don't even know if you would sacrifice the resources to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, so mo there's there's not been a lot of people that get to be in this position, you know, because it's not an easy position to be in. It's like the game is is that most people you see go speak and go do tours, they have a sponsor. Sponsor is a company that decides to get behind them because they think that it's going <clears> to be, you know, a, a equal benefit that if they sponsor you, then they get that marketing attention. Right. So they get sponsorship dollars to go out and do those things. I've never been able to work with corporate America like that. Yeah. I've been able, I've been having to do it independently. Right. There ain't been out of we get millions of people that watch the show. Now, this year is going to be a little different. But out of the millions of people that watch it. Right. Not not one of them was like, I got a bag for you. You know what I'm saying? So everybody was like, "You gotta, we love it, but you gotta do all that on your own." That's the way I. Feel. Well, I want to congratulate you, man, because like we we were sitting back here putting this shit together, the tour and everything, and we pulled it off. Like on the outside looking in, it looked like we had a million sponsors and like we we did yeah, the we, job. We, we were know. sponsored by God, but and um, Goldwater and, and shout out society. to Aristotle too, man. I don't want to, you know. Overshadow this. Shout out to your boy Aristotle. No, we we put for that sure, up for sure. um, in the in the promos <laughs> and things of that nature for surely. But um, one thing that I was uh, I want to say I'm gonna say I was disappointed with this. I and I'm gonna go on record and say this. This is only one thing I was disappointed with with the tour. We had a lot of sold out dates, but I feel like the hometown ain't show out. To the point we had to damn to take it off the um, tour. No, nah, I think that we could have still <clears throat> did it. I think the problem with that is CAA booked the the venue. They booked was like five thousand seats, and it's St. Louis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. as much as I love St. Louis, St. Louis is still a dead city. Right. Like we still gotta like you gotta resurrect people and bring a movement there. Like yeah, they go they go fill out for a rapper. You know what I mean? Because that's connected to their death style. You yeah. feel me? They ain't gotta be alive to do that. Like. But when you're talking about somebody giving them some game, because we gave a lot of people game yeah. at those shows, and if you ain't but show I just up, felt you like, know. shit, we from now. We, that, if he's selling out at the Apollo, St. Louis better sell out. That's how I was feeling. But people don't know, like you said, behind but, the scenes. Yeah, but New York to, and St. Louis ain't comparable. But when it comes to putting together a tour, people don't know, like, it don't make sense economically to come to wherever you, if the ticket sales low. Well, no, you can't. <clears throat> You know what I mean? Like that's there's certain sacrifices that have to make sense. I was talking with Keenan about like the structure of the business. And he was asking me, like, what's my structure? You know what I mean? Like, what's my structure of team? Who does what? What's their role? You know, what's the structure of your day, your week, your month? Because I can look at everybody's structure and I can see, you know, um, how they go about their business, right? Because you have to have somebody who's like the front end talent, 
somebody who deals with like booking, somebody who deals with merch, somebody who deals with content, somebody who deals with editing, yeah. somebody, people who travel with you, right? You have to have people who are able to work those merch tables, somebody who's dealing with, you know, the travel of making sure that they're booking all the travel, the hotels, the transportation, security from place to place. So when you see a lot of people move, they're operation, right? And then when you yes. see the, the talent, we call them the talent, but they're an economy, Right. So this economy influence connected to attention, which connects to spending habits, which people spend real dollars on things that's connected to the people that they love because we get money to spend it. And we would rather be like, yo, I'm going to 19 Keys. I'm going to give me some merch. I'm going to go buy this. Right. Boom. So then people are spending money that's within a budget. This is why y'all be wondering, like, yo, how you got so much energy to like talk to every single person at the show when we do like the VIPs and stuff. Anyway, moving because without them, there's nothing. Facts. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are like the people are really the sponsors. You know what I'm saying? When the people show up, they are the sponsors. So it's like I get to speak to my sponsors. You feel me? Like in real life. Like if that's the way I'm gonna look at it. But some people are small towns. They got 500 to a thousand people that come in and, and watch them. Some people are, you know, states. Some people are countries. They got so many people that lock in with them. So. When you are an economy, you know, your goal is to be able to structure that. You know, there, there, I was listening to Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He was talking about, you know, the first law of the universe is motion mm. and then it's order. So you get you some motion, right? You're on the move, right? But you have to put order to that motion. And that goes into anything, right? So... We mostly start with motion. We, we on the move, we putting things together, we're creating, and then the order is the structure, right? You know, people like crystals. Crystals are things that are encapsulated into a structure, right? They start off with motion, but then when that frequency get caught into a structure, a geometrical structure, now it continues to be able to grow in this pattern, right? And it becomes crystalline. And you have to be able to crystallize the structure of your business in order to be able to grow. So anything that you're doing, there's so many people that you can see a person where they're at. Some people got a lot of motion, but no order. Mm. You feel me? And so the order part is the rigorous part. It's the tough part. It's the construction. It's the infrastructure, right? It's like even doing this show. We got three cameras set up right here. We got somebody, you know, uh, Solomon, who comes over here to make sure that we're doing the live streaming and editing and producing on the back end. We got to have somebody that's creating the thumbnail each and every single time. We got to make sure that the products are connected to the back end. So when it, when we connect the Shopify store on the back end yeah. to the show, the products go in on there. Then we got to do the marketing after that's done. Then we got to break down the clips. Then we got to put them on IG. Then we got to circulate them. Then we got to go find sponsors, right? And then you take all of that, you write it down, you systemize it, and then you delegate so that there's order to the motion. Yeah. It's a science. It's a science. I just want y'all to understand that everything you see is a science to it. Even people that you dislike, there's a science to their motion. There's an order to their motion. Yeah, you know I mean, some, when 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 there's no order to your emotion, to your motion, it becomes emotion. It's an energy in motion, but there's no order. But when you put order to the motion, it becomes logistics. It becomes logic, right? So the logic to the motion is the logistics that creates the structure, that creates the movement in which you can grow things into a pattern that can become a what? An evolution. Because when things are changing, they are evolving. 
You know what I mean? When they're progressing, they are evolving. Yeah. So we got to constantly be, now we got all this chatter in the waves. We got all this media in the waves. But the question is, are we evolving? That's the, that's the question we need to be asking so much through everything that we do. And everybody got to ask in their own heart. Even if you a hater, it's your hating evolving. <laughs> Cause I see some haters don't never evolve, boy. The haters be doing the same old hating antics all day long, yeah. and they prey upon other people who are in desperate situations and need still, something to attach to. Still hating off the iPhone six. Yeah, man, you still hate. Text. Come on, man, you hating from the bleachers. At least get Stop you. It. At least get you front row hater seats. Like Dave Chappelle said, the guy who attacked him was homeless, right? And he said, but I must admit. He had some good seats. <laughs> At least hate from the front row, man. Why? People still hating from outside. Come on, yelling, yelling, hating. Man, Keith, what you do? Bro, relax, bro. Why are you so loud? Bro, step up and hate. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather you be a pure hating than somebody outside hating. You feel me? So, but anyway, don't do no hating to down 24, man. You know, if you, if you really trying to be in a player's club, you know what I'm talking about? The gods. Because I'm going to tell y'all, the guys is taking over this year. Yeah. I ain't got no problem with haters. You can hate all you want. Just don't do it in the vicinity. Because <laughs> you might get a, a reaction you ain't, you ain't expect. Yeah. You did. But all right, more questions. More man. questions, man. Well, um, what, what you see in the news this week that, that was interesting? Oh, so Africa. I seen uh, there's some interesting stuff about Africa that I think... It was talking about the AI colonization, the digital colonization of Africa, because Africa doesn't have a lot of infrastructure, right? And a lot of places, some places they do, but in the places that they do have infrastructure, which is very interesting, like Somalia. Somalia, they were showing modern day Somalia in Africa, and it was like, yo, a lot of people don't know that Somalia has been rebuilt over the last two decades by this telecom company. So they have a brother that's the front of it, Right, and I don't know the back end of it, so I'm only saying that um, just because I, I haven't done all the research. But they were showing how Somalia is a cashless society, and most of Africa is like that, right? Their digital infrastructure is like they use like numbers. Um, like you send them money by having their number, you do business with them by having a number. It's not cash and things of that nature, it's not cash shop, it's like literally their phone number, right? right? Um, and so, they, a lot of the infrastructure right now is capturing you know, that African um, economy because they realized that by 2050, Africa is going to be the booming economy of the world, right? And so for there to be any black and African like issues and wars just don't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Africa's, that's the plug over there. Like, so everybody else is seeing this. So they saying that because Africa doesn't have infrastructure, you can go build the best technology in Africa. The reason it's harder to build it out here is because you have to rip out the existing infrastructure, then put out the new infrastructure. So let's say if you want everybody to have electric cars, well, you got to get rid of the gas cars, yeah. right? You want everybody to have, if, if, if electric cars were deemed, you know, not sustainable for, you know, the environment, then you would have to get rid of those and come with the hydrogen or whatever other next thing that you want to deal with. But in Africa, because a lot of those places have no infrastructure, you can just start with the best technology. We usually don't have the best technology, right? right. There's, there's, there's problems and things that go and coincide with the development of new technology and, you know, first world countries. So out there, they say, okay, yeah, we can start and just 
instead of trying to make this a cashless society in a society where, you know, uh, the currencies are not worth that much in the first place, the people won't mind. You know what I mean? Number one. And then the infrastructure of the banking out there is terrible. So let's just make it to where people can accept money and they put it on their phone and then boom, that's the infrastructure. So there's a danger that to this as well because they start putting AI in all this technology and the AI that's over there. Of course, you know, it can be a new colonization where they're learning the culture of the people and it always starts off as like we're using this AI to preserve it and to learn more and information. And then at some point in time, this AI collects so much data that they're using it more so against the people just for capitalism. Mm. Right. And so I see digital colonization utilizing artificial intelligence right, in Africa as going to be one of the biggest things. And a lot of the problems that's happening in Africa now, they're going to be invisible problems. So it's going to go from, it's going to be lesser evil problems. It goes from coal mine, right, um, and Congo, right, to where they'd be like, well, people aren't dying, to they're starting to have some of the second and first world problems. Mm. And people are going to be like, well, at least it's not that. And so a lot of people aren't going to complain and it's not going to be until a lot of these economies and infrastructures catch up to first world to where they start having these first world complaints as well. You know what I'm saying? So I will want people to put it in their mind now to see that and have control over the digital infrastructure as well. Don't let somebody swoop in like the savior. Right. And they be just as bad as the current right. world leaders that we have in these first world structures. I hope that makes sense to y'all. You know, I be having thoughts on the mind, man. Yeah. I be thinking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hope y'all, I just, I just be thinking about my brothers and sisters all across the planet Earth, man. I want us to be right. Yes, sir. He better just let you know. Cross all the um, T's and yeah. dot your ass. Yeah, man. Listen, y'all, y'all, you, you, you have to be careful. It's like with Shaka Zulu warning. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you may be thinking you're getting rid of me. You know what I mean? But you don't know that there's somebody else know worse enemy. coming. And they're going to really take over. So it's like, that happens sometimes where they would look at uh, a presidency and say, this person is a puppet, and then maybe a military takes over, and they'd be like, well, the military is worse. And that's not, of course, all the time. Uh, but it's like the lesser evil thing never ends up being a good trade, right? We've seen that with more and more Gaddafi, right? The lesser evil is never good. It just leaves destabilized. So you, you have to learn to create a greater a, a good, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is the good? You know what I'm saying? Like, beware of false prophets. Beware of these angels. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you have to understand that, you know, it's the it's the 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 so-called angels that they bring to you. You know what I'm saying? Those be the devils. They just in disguise. When it seems too good to be true, it always is. All right, that's happened all throughout time and throughout history. And Africa has a unique position to right now learn that and this is where i think the trade-off between blacks and africans happen it's like we teach you your enemy and we teach you their tactics and we teach you their tricks problem is is desperation makes one deaf so when you are in a desperate situation in need for food clothing and shelter you're not listening to the warnings yeah. if you're hungry you're not going to listen to somebody tell you McDonald's isn't good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When when the enemy is bringing you a blanket and you're cold in the winter, you don't want to hear nobody say there's smallpox on it. Yeah. But that's what it is. And 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 you have to know that these are Trojan horses that's coming like into that. Africa right now. 
I like that. And you can listen or you can later wait till somebody said, I told you so. And I hate to be the one that told you so, but I love to be the one to say, I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you listened to me. That one, you know what I'm saying? So, appreciate it. No, we ain't done. We got more for Flo. How how long we been going? You going to leave me hanging though, blood? (laughs) You been going an hour? We going to take some questions from the people. I got you though. Because <laughs> that's how you did me earlier. <laughs> Thought I forgot. That's good. Uh, Thought I forgot. Let me see the questions in there, man. What you got? Yeah. Thought I forgot. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm. You know. I'm the one told you don't go to the casting couch, though. You didn't. Li- you listened to me, though. No, you know what? I wanted to be an actor before, and I wanted to even when I was like. <clears throat> In my teens, I wanted to be a model, but I thought about it. <laughs> you know, I always thought I had the chops to do it. I still want to be an actor, but we get to create our own movies, right? Yeah. Um, but I knew Sorry. this. I remember, and it's a true story, you know, it was one of the casting calls, and they was like, it was for some underwear. And I just thought about the scenario. I am not showing up to no goddamn casting call and walking out in no underwear and twirling around. For a bunch of grown men to tell me whether or not that they go shoot me in his underwear, I said, hell no. And then my model career ended before it began. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was just that simple for me. I said, well, hold on, what's the- They trying to get my dog some deductive I said, turns. what's the criteria? <laughs> see, see, you laughing, but you was cut from the beginning. Because they said, they said you got to be five fives. They said, ah. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't going no damn way. Put on some underwear. No. <laughs> But that's listen, man. I I feel sorry for a lot of these young brothers that don't have fathers and older brothers that can like get them game, and not have the ability to like say no to things. You know what I'm saying? And like these are not opportunities. I'm just telling you, not these are parasites. Like Hollywood, you. I really want y'all to like if y'all can do this favor for me. Take a second and like really just think about Hollywood and think about the world, and think about how for so long. They've been propping up their victims of their trade as to be worshipped as stars for the rest of people. And they got these people who feel like nothing. I mean, these people who have to do drugs, they become, they want to unalive themselves and they don't even want to be on this earth. They end up having to do all this prescription drugs and they try to party and socialize their way out of not thinking about like what's going on in their head. They become manic and... All kind of crazies. And, and then the internet and, don't do no heaven. Y'all remind them every day. <laughs> well, yeah, but I'm just saying just the, just the fact that this is what they show to us as aspirational. Yeah. Be this person. And 50 Cent said it best. He said, well, y'all be thinking people fall off. You don't even know what you're really saying. And he was talking about it in music because we got to learn how to put things in context. He said, in music, when you say somebody fall off, what... What you're really looking at is you saying that their budget is not as big as it used to be, right? And that's because the the goddamn um, the record label is no longer putting the marketing budget behind them. So when they drop a project, you're not seeing it everywhere anymore. They didn't fall off. They're just not putting the same amount into their marketing budget because they're not going to be able to recoup that. So now they got to figure out another way to try to make it look like they got the buzz. And I think that the world has been fed so much of the of the Hollywood tactics, we don't even know how to measure real talent. 
We don't we throw away people that we once loved because yeah. they're no longer doing the thing. They're no longer bending over on the casting couch. Right? We throw away people because they got integrity now, because they're not getting the check from from and being selected. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I think that society is culpable in these things. You feel me? And that's something to think about because we starting to like those we we love the victims more than we love those who say no and become victors. We just say this person fell off. How they fell off because they got integrity? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that that's the sickest thing about it. That dude, that dude, with great sister Lauren Hill liked that all the time. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what that was. Though. Nah, that's because I mean, shit, you know, she 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 took a step away from the industry people, because of that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. You know? But people still want an album from Lauren. They still listen to her. She put out a good album. Um, but yeah, no, I think 100%, I think that we just got to learn how to respect integrity and we have to learn how to look at true talent. Like, as long as the world is looking at numbers and we're looking at the metrics that's controlled by the devils, you are in love with a world. That to me is the simple fact. As long as you're looking at the metrics that's controlled by the devils, that's controlled by the gatekeepers, you are in love with they world. And so why wouldn't a person... Why wouldn't these people do that thing to keep your love? They're not mm. doing it to keep their love. They're doing it to keep your love because you in love with the way that the devil curates the world. They tell you album sales matter. You're not even listening to the music. You ain't decide whether you like the music. You telling me that album sales matter? If you don't like the music, what does it matter? If you love the music, what does it matter? It doesn't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we not even in love with the art no more. We in love with their world that they build around the art. We in love with the business of the world. So this is why it's hard for integrable people and average real life people like yourself to get ahead in the world. Because if you don't take those deals with those devils, then people don't appreciate your art and your craft and your heart that you have. Come on, talk to me, man. Mm. You feel me? So I... Question? Yeah, you got some? Let's go. Moonlight Sit back, Steve. Said, relax, man. <clears throat> Moonlight Frequency said, what is the significance of this year being a leap year with 366 days in the energy shift with the history of the crazy events in the last four years? Uh-huh. Let me see what I got up in this book right here. The significance of a leap year. You might have to go to our episode with Lloyd Strayhorn. He actually talked <clears throat> about leap years, I believe. I'm trying to find it in his book. This is the book that I have in front of me. Um, because he's he he broke down the leap year thing, but I will want to go to numerology and the occult sciences real quick. All right, boom. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do a solo thing where I just give a breakdown on 24 and the meaning of 24. I want people to be able to go with this high level observation just on 24. Period. All right. So it says, I am often asked about the relationship between numbers and the other branches of the occult. I can say yes, from firsthand experiences, my original interest in the occult prior to numerology was in astrology. When I was introduced to numerology in 1969, I could easily see a relationship. First, both the zodiac signs and numbers are ruled by given planets. So if you understand the nature of the planets alone, you can talk to both an astrologer and a numerologist at the same time. And this is true in other cases. Let's explore just a few areas of the occult to see how they relate. Now, he goes over astrology as in the planets and the ruling numbers of those planets. 
You know, one thing I think we talked about with um, Dr. Uh, B. Serious was like the number 12, right? Like a, a ruler is 12, right? There's 12 disciples, right? We talk about the 12 hours, uh, 12 times 2, which equals the 24 hours within the day, you know, and understanding that that 24, you know, measures to that circle. And when you're understanding the ability to um, um, look at time, because right now it's kind of like it's, it's half. You know, most of the time we spend 12 hours awake. You know what I mean? A person is not awake mm -hmm. throughout 24 hours. So a day is 12 hours, right? Not 24 hours, right? There's a 24-hour cycle within a day, but we split it from day and night. Um, and I'm not going to act like I have all of the answers when it comes to numerology. This is a field of study that I'm but a baby in. But I believe when you observe numbers, I don't even think that there is a finite defining definition. The way I look at synchronicity in numbers, I believe that you get to decide what numbers mean. Our first like uh, synchronistic date of the year would be, that should be, um, what would that be? I was going to say, hmm, actually it would have been kind of, I was going to say February Second, two, 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 three, because you're going to get the triple numbers. Um, and we already passed the one, two, three, one, two, three. You know what I mean? Heading into the 24, which is yeah. 2024. Um, but we're going to get some synchronistic dates. We have the eclipse moon, that is, or the eclipse sun, I believe, is coming in April, which what a lot of people perceive as the real New Year's, you know, um, a ritualistic time for people to be able to take in. You know, I don't really think much of a leap year myself. Um, I was always taught that there's no such thing as a perfect circle. You know what I mean? So it's kind of looking at a 360. You know, you always gonna have something extra there or yeah. or less. Um, so I don't really have an answer for you, but I will say if you're going to go look into this book and you're gonna look into the episodes with Dr. B. Serious and Lloyd Strayhorn, that is more so their level of mastery and their observations. You know, when it comes to the number 19, I'm a master in that a bit, or a student master, I would say. And I like to like dive into that. And then for this year, I will be diving deeper into, you know, the 12 and the 24. Oh, this is Numbers and You, a numerology guide for everyday living. This is by Lloyd Strayhorn. Lloyd Strayhorn, Numbers and You. So it goes over like your name, your birthday, palmistry, you know, being able to see, you know, um, and it, it goes over like the different plane from the mental plane, spiritual plane, physical plane, metaphysical plane. It breaks it down and it can associate you with a number based on like your your month, your day of the year you was born, um, the year you was born and or adding it all up as well. Yeah, you know I mean, so of course I was born in the fifth year, ruled by communication, which is why, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what was the next? What's question? the next question? Charmel Nicole said, "What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul?" I don't think that's a statement. That's a that's statement. A statement. Bro. He, Questions, bro. He ain't profit he nothing. What, he said, "What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul?" Like, what does a man profit from that? He don't, he don't profit nothing from it. He gained the world and lost his soul. He ain't profit nothing. Yeah. He lost. 
You can't gain. You can't take the world with you after you leave. You going out the earth. You know, the value of a soul (laughs) is another soul. There's, there's, there's meaning that there is nothing. Cat Williams said it very well. He said that, you know, everybody who sells their soul, the thing that they have in common is to act like they have it. Yeah. You know, because there's no way to get it back. Once his, once you sold your soul, which a lot of people say you can't sell your soul, but you don't have access to that feeling of being alive, right? You, you're no longer balanced. Your scales are off, right? And you may spend the rest of your life trying to balance those scales, right? And this proverbial selling of the soul is, is really, I think, kind of looking at the ma'at system of balance, you know, your deeds outweighing your sins, right? And... I believe that, you know, there's some things that a person do where, yeah, they're stripped and they're completely soulless, like, you know, messing with kids or something of that nature. And then there's like small indiscretions and sins that people have where they go about restoring themselves by doing so much good that it outweighs anything that they've done before. Right. So the idea of selling your soul is not like some finite transaction. But I do truly believe that there are some things that you can't come back from and you have to use the rest of your earthly time to committing to doing so much good that the rest of your life is dedicated to not doing anything else that adds to that skill of wrong that you've done. But the, the, the value of a soul is another soul. So, you know, if you believe that you've sold it, there's there's nothing worldly that you can, you know, um, give to get it back. You have to do soul work. What else we got? When did you experience the convergence of your personal timeline? I would like for you to break that um, statement down a little better. Mm, Blue Pill will be a great person to add on here. Absolutely. I believe that that's a it's I, I think like the idea of like we live on different timelines is interesting. Um I believe this year and throughout the last few years, um, all my alternate dimensional selves, they're aligned with where we going, you know, what we doing. You know, um there are people who believe in parallel existence of universes and that you know, as you make different choices, that the universe splits off into different rifts. And for every choice that you make, there's another dimension of self that made the opposite choice um, or made no choice at all. Right. It's kind of like you can spend a day sitting on the couch or you can spend a day doing work. Right. Or you spend a day entertaining yourself doing, you know, what I mean, opposite of work. Um, one is constantly adding up to some substance of reward or value. You can call somebody and tell them that you love them or you could have never said that and you have things unsaid, right? The question is, is like, what version of are you? Of you are you? Are you the action taker or you are the procrastinator? Are you the, you know, rational thinker or are you the overthinker, right? Um, It depends on like what version of you you've decided that is your story and who you are. Because it's easy to become another dimension of self is just telling yourself another story and dominate yourself with more different traits of who you want to be. And all of a sudden you split and you now jumping into a different dimension of a different self. And there's a dimension of self that is 
filled with different traits, which automatically creates the cause and effect to where when presenting with situations, they're going to react differently. The way they deal with stress, right? They're going to deal with stress completely different than somebody else. Some people have more grit. So when, when, it's, when it comes to the point where they feel like they're going to give up, they never do because connected to what their character is, is the fact that they believe that if they keep going, they become a better person. So it becomes like these ideas that you believe about yourself and what story that you want to have next. Is it a story of being a hero? Is it a story of being a victim? Do you feel sorry for yourself or do you feel like you are your unlimited self? Pick a direction of what dimension you want to go into. And dimension to me is it's an angle that you choose, right? Mm. What direction you want to go, what vertical you want to live in. So tell yourself the story of the dimension that you want to live in and you get to choose your destiny based on your narrating, right? Your traits of the reality you want to live. I hope that makes sense to you. I'm trying to break that. Simply said, you know, <clears throat> different choices creates different realities. Yeah, I'm loving this. Boss guy said, with the current position of the world in the U.S., what is the most realistic movement we can follow to create unity and peace? Um, realistic movement. There's no such thing as a, a realistic movement. It has to be supernatural, extraterrestrial. The, the idea of wanting a realistic movement is like wanting something easy. But I also get what you're saying. It's something that you think that will stick and will work. And in this world, you need supernatural, you need extraterrestrial in order to make it work. You know, when something is a cult, it, a cult is a cultivation, right? Um, and a cult is knowledge that is usually not the mainstream. So it's not like Christian or even Islamic or things of that nature is in a cult. It's not shared as mainstream knowledge. Some people could consider it to be pseudo, right? But... Um, a court knowledge is something that's not particularly proved by science, but it is in the realm of belief in metaphysical reality. But I say all that is to say when you're talking about what can work and what doesn't work, you have to go into the uh, occult sciences of creation. And when you look at the courts in the world that have worked, that's what you see is existing in today's time. Go look at what works today and still they blueprint. And ask yourself, who wants to follow this blueprint with me, right? Um, today, I think that our idea of what unity is supposed to be is completely wrong. Because unity is built off, you know, um, a system of habits and beliefs, right? And what we view as unity of Asian people is not some consistent idea that they have in their head, like, I unify with my Asian brother. No, it is a chain of histories connected to a set of beliefs and habits that it is automatic thought ingrained into who I am that I shot with my Asian brother. It's in my habit. It's in my DNA. It only makes it's, it's your way of thinking. It makes sense to you. Right. It's not some pressing forefront of conscious. I want to do this. Sometimes it becomes that way when you when they come out here and you're there in Chinatown, and they choose to be circulating amongst people who are the same demographic and same ethnic group as them because, of course, they feel safe, right? It only makes sense. And they don't have the same background as us, so it may not be as aspirational as an idea to say <clears throat> that, you know, my come up in a world represents me not being connected to my people 
right? We have that idea that when we outclass our people, we come up in the world. So it's about starting from small places. It's about having starting points and building on that starting point and it lasting over time till it becomes a dominant, ingrained way of like living and thinking and doing for a people, right? So to create a system of set of rules that people live by in a particular um, uh, vicinity or, or, or you know, a, a range of uh, distance. So where do you want this unity to be? We have to pinpoint this. It's not going to be some mass alien effect where 45 million black people just switch on and be like, we're unified now. No, where do you want it to be? It started in the city. Started in a family, right? Um, there are there's unity in families, orders. Some people have mafia type families. There's unity in a court family. Some people look at the Bilderbergs, or some people look at the Rothschilds. There's unity in nations within nations. People look at the nation of Islam. You go touch one of the brothers from the nation of Islam, and you're gonna see unity. People have the same set of belief, habits, lifestyle, right? And a desire to believe by the same rules. That's unity. There's an example of unity in the U.S., right? So black that people the, don't really want unity because if you did, then you would find people who are already unified and then come along inside that and then add what's missing. The problem is when people get inside, you're going to want to change it. And then by changing it, you're going to threaten a system uh, that is unified. That works. Mm. Just saying. Let's go. Make sure y'all press like and subscribe if you haven't already. This is the Man and Man Show. Stanley Wesley said, you talked about having motion and order. Can you elaborate on some of the struggles you experienced establishing your order? Mm. Man, that's a good question. Whoo, I almost sweated that question so good. <laughs> Listen, I, I've experienced almost all of them. Um, I'm good at motion. In order to be a God, though, you have to be good at order. Um, motion is like, it's mo motivation is motion, right? So like having a motive to go do something, right? Inspiration will, you know, like your environment being inspiring or you inspiring others, you put other people in motion from an internal standpoint as well, right? So I like to inspire. Like finding me a motive to get up every day is what puts me in motion. You know, that it, it, it can defy the laws of the universe because even when I don't have energy, I'm going to get it done. You know what I'm saying? Like scientists recently looked at a sperm and they see how a sperm moves and they say a sperm kind of like defied laws of physics in a way that it pushes without having like, you know, uh, metabolic energy. You know what I mean? It, it Anyway, I'm not going to go deep into that science, but, you know, when you have a motive for something, it is easy to put yourself in motion. You have a vision of something, it will pull you. Your vision is like a sun, and the sun's gravitational field, once you get close enough to it, it just pulls you in, right? And so my vision be kind of far out, and it's going to be the reason I wake up. It's the light in my eye every day. But the order process, that is the process where you have to truly audit yourself and evaluate yourself. And you have to go through a SWOT analysis, your strength and your weaknesses, right? Um, I have to really learn about myself, you know, what is my... My personality type. What is my human design type? What is my ACES type? Adverse childhood experiences. What are all these things, you know, that make me who I am, right? Um, I had to look at the way I deal with stress, the way I deal with anxiety. 
I had to go through my shadow self. Like there was so many different things of when it came to putting myself in order, because you have to put yourself in order before you can put anything else in order, right? Um, and it's a complete representation of the way that you do life. The way you do home is the way you do life. The way you organize your thoughts, the way you do life, right? The way you go about solving any problem is usually the way you go about solving all problems. Where's your starting point? So it comes from a deep point of self-reflection. So when it comes to putting together the team, you realize that what gives you motive to be in motion and get the thing started is not what's going to get you to the finish line. You know what I'm saying? Like you can be operating a pure metabolic energy and you're in a race and like your body is energizing you in a marathon. And then at some point in time, you get tired. And now it's just pure will that's pushing you. Right. And then it can be times where you're like, all right, I have to learn techniques. What's the pro technique to keep going when you don't want to go? What's the best way to stand? What's the best way to move? And that's kind of how it is on the journey, right? You got your pure energy. You have your techniques, right? You have your willpower. And your goal is to not be dependent upon your willpower. The goal is to set yourself up technically so good that you don't have to draw upon this energy, right? So right now, the biggest challenge has always been the team, putting everybody in positions to where they're delegated and they're working at maximum efficiency and looking at any point that you don't have covered and making sure you're putting somebody in that slot and that's their strength. Because the problem is you don't want somebody doing a job that they don't want to do. You want people doing jobs that they want to do and that they're good at. Because when you can put passion in position, now your, your whole thing is fueled by passion, right? When everybody's in a position that they're passionate about, they can do that forever. Passion is a limitless battery. So it's always been structure, organization, you know, um, team projects, team management, right? Those are the main skills of being able to have an objective, create the campaign to get that thing done. Hope that answers your question. Yeah. So we're gonna end it off on passion and position. So I need all of y'all to figure out what y'all passion is. What do y'all want y'all 2024 to look like and get into position? Don't count the days, make the day count. Execute, execute, execute. This is my good brother, Mr. 19 Key. <laughs> this is my sister, Steady Collie. It must be something important. Yeah, um, shout out to Steve Jones, shout out to my bro Solomon, and shout out to all the viewers that ask questions. We actually gonna come back with another live this week. So be be on staying make sure y'all stay in tune. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You see something you just seen? No, no, no. Make sure y'all go get the products as well. I think on the site there's 50% off right now. So you can go to the crowns uh, 19.com. That's C-R-O-W-N-Z. We'll put the product link at the bottom after we're done doing this live so y'all can lock in. Share your thoughts <clears throat> below. Share this content with anybody that doesn't know that we do this live show. Uh, we're trying to get better and better with this. We're currently looking for a research assistant. So anybody that is really good at doing research and they can have reports generated on some of the topics we want to talk about to make sure that we're well informed with what we talk about. If there's anything that we speak on in the Man and Man show that you feel like wasn't correct or wasn't factual, yeah. we want to have a way for you all to be able to submit things to make sure that one of the goals is that everything that we do is in time, on time, and correct and in order. You feel me? So I really want to thank you all. You all make the show work. Uh, press the like, smash the subscribe because this is how we grow this thing that we're doing organically. 
And yeah, I appreciate y'all. Make sure y'all continue to tap in, man, and stay off the list. <laughs> stay off the list. <laughs>